Amen. Thank you. Amy and thank you, team. Thank you for being here. While I welcome all of our congregation online, I also want to welcome the millions of those who are watching live on Kingdom Sat. We may not be doing the Arabic as well today because of the situation we're in, but I know that most of you will be blessed anyway. So thank you for joining us live on Kingdom Sat on our Facebook. Uh, you've heard this term again and again and again. It, these are unprecedented days, and they are not only unprecedented in our lifetimes, but a little bit of history that I know. It's unprecedented in history when you get one billion people are quarantined or confined globally. And so I've been asking the Lord uh, in my time of prayer, in the middle of the night, early days, early morning, early, late night, I've been asking the Lord, what lessons can we learn, what the body of Christ, the believers can learn from this situation? And God laid a message on my heart that I will bring it to you next Sunday, the 29th of March, from the prophet Joel, chapter 2. And I believe with all my heart that that message that God gave Joel those many years ago is very relevant for what we are going through right now. And so, while I'm going to continue in the series of the Beatitudes this morning, next Sunday I will be speaking to you again around the world on this very, very important topic, what we're going through right now globally. What is God saying to us? And let me come to the Lord in prayer. Join with me. Father, this is a very unusual Sunday and a very unusual day when times of crisis, normally your people gather together and unite together. But in this crisis, they are scattered. They're all over the world. They're all over the city, all over the state and world. But there is no limitation of time and space with you. So we link our faith to one another, trusting and believing that you have a word for us, that you can speak to us. And Lord, uh, I know in my own heart, and I confess publicly, that without your Holy Spirit taking the words that he has spoken in the Scripture, I will literally not do any good. And so without Him, total reliance on Him, our comforter, our paraclete, I ask you to set Him free so that He may work in every heart that is listening right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I doubt whether anybody at the sound of my voice has ever experienced or suffered from such hunger and the pain that comes with that hunger and starvation. I doubt. Starvation that is so severe that could lead to death. That's the kind of hunger I'm talking about. I doubt with anyone at the sound of my voice anywhere in the world who have experienced a parched throat thirst without a drop of water for days on end, without the kind of thirst 
that brings death. In fact, our culture is overfed, so much so that the diet industry is now a multi-billion dollar diet. It's a multi-billion dollar business because our culture is very different from first century culture. I mean, extremely different, especially in the light of food and drink, that I have to give you some explanation on this particular beatitude and in the series of messages that I gave it a provocative title, Happiness is in You, based on the Beatitudes of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you have not followed the last three steps in those Beatitudes, please, you got plenty of time. Don't binge watch television. Go and watch all the three messages that, follow, that preceded this one. Because right now, this message, this fourth beatitude, is literally smack in the middle of this series of messages. And I've been pointing out in the last several weeks that the beatitudes that Jesus gives on the Sermon on the Mounts are a superstructure. We have the screen. I want the camera maybe turn to the screen. I'll show you. It is a superstructure. They were not a bunch of blessed are you, blessed are you, that Jesus threw out kind of haphazardly. No, he had them organized. Step one, step lead to step two, leads to step three, <coughs> leads to, to, to today's step four. And you're going to find that in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Matthew 5, 6. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. If you go to it, chapter 5, Verse 6, and here's what Jesus said. Blessed, happy, <laughs> fortunate, in Greek, makarios, are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Not may be satisfied, shall be satisfied, will be satisfied. You have God's Word on it. When Jesus uttered those words, his hearers, they were not trying hard to go and hoard food out of fear. Uh, they were not going to the supermarket and loading it with stuff because they were afraid. They were not going around and getting toilet paper and fight over it in the supermarket. They have no knowledge of that kind of stuff. They, 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 they could easily identify with what he's saying because they know what it is like to have such hunger pain, to have such thirst for water. And to them, the smallest amount of food was, and, and the drop of water is of extreme value. To them, food and water were so scarce <laughs> that they would not waste a crumb of bread or a drop of water. And so when Jesus said, blessed, happy, makarios are you who hunger and thirst, their ears perked up. Their ears wanted to hear. You remember, they always went after Jesus after he gave them food because that is such hunger. There's such thirst that they understand. Listen to me, please. For them to hear the phrase going on a diet would be as strange as we would 
be for us to say, we will have no more cars, we'll have no more buses, we'll have no more airplanes, we'll have no more telephones, we'll have no more computers, we will have none of that thing that we are dependent on. That's how deep it was for them to hear those words. Now, I want you to transfer that hunger pain. I want you to transfer that absolute thirst into the spiritual realm. And so the question is, have you ever felt so desperately in need of more of God that you are willing to do anything, I mean anything, to have more of God in you? And that is why Jesus said, if you are looking for happiness, don't look beyond what's inside. Don't go any further than inside. Beloved, listen. There are times when I found myself prostrate before God on all four, crying out to God, unless you give me more of you, I will die. And I'm not being a drama queen. The ancient world experienced so much physical pain of hunger that they valued and they cherished the smallest amount of food or water. In fact, we know from history that Rome itself, Rome itself, had experienced such famine back in the year 436 B.C. That's before Christ, 436 B.C. There was such a famine in Rome that thousands of people out of the hunger pain threw themselves in the Tiber River to drown themselves out of that hunger pain. I am told by the experts that there are four stages to starvation. Four stages. First of all, you have irritation. You become so irritable, you get easily set off. Then followed by a state of exhaustion. Thirdly, it's followed by deep depression. And finally, fourthly, it follows by a stage of physical lesslessness. Yet the irony is this. Jesus promised that for that spiritual hunger, for that spiritual thirst, for that hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will never die of starvation. In fact, that is the very thing that God is going to fill to overflowing. It will fill completely, satisfy. But listen, if you let yourself spiritually starve, or if you try to satisfy that hunger that only for righteousness that only Jesus can fill, if you try to fill that with fake food, you'll go through those four stages. You'll go through them. Someone may ask, well, Michael, what is that fake food? Well, let me illustrate this. In Central America, 
there is a native plant known as nardu. Nardu, this native plant in South America, when you eat it, it fills you if you're hungry. It will satisfy your thirst. And so, when a group of British explorers were going through the jungles of Central America, their guide told them about this plant, so they, for days they will eat the nardu plant. And it, this does it satisfy them. It took away their hunger pain, but they all died of malnutrition. Why? Because they were not aware of the plant's deceptive character. Beloved, listen to me. When you and I try to satisfy our deepest longing for God by anything or anyone, we're going to end up in danger of spiritual malnutrition. Listen, church membership will not satisfy that hunger and thirst. Dependence on a certain preacher or teacher will not satisfy that hunger and thirst. Focusing uh, on a ceremony or ritual uh, or, or church ceremonial will not satisfy that hunger and thirst. Re- uh, relying on your reputation as a Christian will not satisfy that hunger and thirst. Relying on some religious activities will not satisfy that hunger and thirst because it is so deep. If you rely on anything or anyone to receive other than receiving more of God in your life, that will lead to spiritual malnutrition. First, you become irritable, and you become susceptible to the various temptations. You will lash out at anyone for any reason all the time. You will attack anyone who exhorts you to righteousness. You will stop going to church or fellowship with other believers. And when you hear the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you become irritable and you resist. You will find the smallest spiritual rebuke sets you off. You will become and blame everyone for everything. That preacher doesn't preach right. That church doesn't church right. The deacons don't deek right. The ushers don't ush right. And you can't trust the trustees. Be careful. Be careful. If this is happening to you, watch out. That is the first stage of spiritual starvation. And you need only... One thing, more of God. More of God's righteousness, more of God's holiness, more of God's presence, more of God's filling. Now I plead with you, don't feed your hunger on fake food. Because a steady diet of fake food will lead to malnutrition. You're going to get to the second stage 
of exhaustion. You're going to get then to the third stage of total depression, and eventually you'll become spiritually lessless. I love the story about the country preacher whose congregation was made up of farmers. And uh, he announced to his congregation that he's going to a pastor's conference. Well, one of the farmers in the congregation asked him a question. He said, Pastor, what is the topic of your conference? And the pastor said, how to get more people into the church. Interesting in a day like today. <laughs> how to get people more, more, more people into the church. The old farmer kind of scratched his head. He said, Pastor, that sounds strange to me. I have never heard a speech in our farming conventions on how to get the cattle to come to the rack for feeding. <laughs> he said, when we get together as farmers, we discuss the best food, the best feed that we can give to the flock. Well, <laughs> pastors, pastors, some of you are watching around the world. I know pastors, you can learn from this farmer. Today, there are many pastors spend their time figuring out how to entertain the flock, a best way to give them fancy food that uh, has no nutrition and doesn't build them up, the best way they can make them feel good without confession of sin. Jesus said, happy, blessed, makarios are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Some years ago, a Miami newspaper reported this story about a well-known gourmet cook who lived in the area, and she wanted to do something just for a laugh. And so she decided to host a party and serve dog food, but not out of the can. In fact, she called it hors d'oeuvres a la Alpo. She, of course, went to a great deal of effort to make that food appealing, to make it appetizing. And some of you already guessed it. The people at the party could not get enough of the stuff. In fact, she ran out in the first 10 minutes. Now, beloved, just all human beings are created by God to hunger for physical food, to thirst for water in order to survive. If we didn't have that feeling of hunger and thirst, we wouldn't survive as, as humanity. God created that in us. The new creation that the Holy Spirit created in the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, those who are on their way to heaven, the Redeemer, when we became born again but of the Spirit of God, He recreated in us spiritual hunger and thirst for righteousness. Listen to me. When you become born again in Christ, He creates in you and creates in me an inner longing to be fulfilled only by Him, a deep-felt spiritual hunger for more of God and less of me, a passion inside of our soul that will only be satisfied by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And beloved, 
for God's sake, please do not try, do not try to fill this need with junk food or poison water. In Colossians 3, 1 and 2, Paul said, since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things below. Let me make a statement. It may surprise some of you, not all of you, but some of you. But it's the truth. To the spiritual person, that is the person who's constantly hungering and thirsting for God, constantly hungering and thirsting for righteousness, to them, the supernatural seems as natural. Did you get that? When you're constantly hungering for God, knowing that God will only fill that hunger, the only one who can do that, you're going to discover that living in the supernatural is very natural. Think about this. Think about it for a long time. Think about it. Think about it while you have time to think about it. In the light of the circumstances that we're going on right now, think about this. Jeremiah warned the people who said they have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the source of the living water. And they began to dig for themselves cisterns, cisterns that did not hold water. It could not hold water. They'd dry up even before they finished digging them. Beloved, do not fill that void that God has created in you. Don't fill it with the wrong things. Don't try to fill it with the wrong things. The parodical son kept on filling his stomach with the husk that was fed to the pigs until one day he came to his senses and went home to his daddy where he got feasts after feasts. Come home to your daddy. Come home to your daddy. Blessed, happy, makarios are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. You have Jesus' word on it. Listen to me. I say this from my heart because I'm seeing it all around us, and it breaks my heart. Because if you rely on and hang on every word that Pastor Smellfungus speaks, or if you're always quoting Pastor Screwball, or if you live with what Pastor Knucklehead teaches, you will hunger. You will never be satisfied. You will develop an addiction to them, but not to the righteousness that only Jesus can give you. Here's something I don't want you to miss. I don't want you to miss. Jesus did not say, I'm going to repeat that. Jesus did not say, blessed, happy are those who are full of righteousness. Did you get that? 
He did not say that. But those who hunger and those who thirst for righteousness. Question. What is that righteousness that Jesus is talking about here in the Beatitude? It's a unique type of righteousness. What is it? What is that kind of righteousness that you and I as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ must hunger and thirst every single day, maybe moment by moment? You want to know? I know you want to know. But before I answer the question, it's not a trick, but before I answer this very, very important question, it's very important, I want to remind you of the previous three steps. Remind again, let me remind you again, there are steps. They are not plucked out of the air, thrown into the crowd on the Sermon on the Mount. No. Every step leads to the next, leads to the next. By the time you get to that fourth step, which I'm talking about now, hunger and thirst for righteousness, you have to go through the first three steps. Step one, two, three. The first step was declaring spiritual bankruptcy. God, I got nothing good in me. I cannot save myself. I cannot do it. Without you, I'm nothing, can do nothing. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. That's the first step. Those who recognize their desperate need for the Spirit of God to raise them from their spiritual death, they will be saved, and they'll become on their way to heaven. The next step, second step, is after you've taken that first one, the second one is daily, constantly, mourning over sin. The moment a sin is committed, you weep over it, you mourn over it, you confess it. And the Bible said, or Jesus said that at that moment you receive continuous forgiveness, restoration, and healing, and renewal. And God never gets tired from giving you those two. In fact, that's what Jesus said about the two people who went to the temple. One says, oh, God, I thank you. I am not like all these bad people. I'm a good guy. I do this and this and this. The other one struck his chest. Oh, Father, forgive me. I'm a sinner. Jesus said, this man who confessed went home justified, not that other guy. See, mourning over sin is a good thing because you receive God's forgiveness, God's abundance, God's renewal. And then the third and the last message I shared with you, that when you follow those two steps, God begins to develop on you meekness, which is really a word, as I explained, power under control of the Holy Spirit. The Bible calls it meekness. And because of that meekness, we're going to inherit everything. And so he comes here in the fourth step in that superstructure. He comes to the fourth one and talks about blessed, happy, fortunate, Makarios are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So the question that I asked earlier, and I'm not dodging the answer, I'm not prolonging the answer, I'm going to come to it, but I want to take you through the steps first. What is this righteousness that Jesus is talking about? 
<clears throat> what is that? What, what, how do you hunger for that righteousness? And how do you do this on an ongoing basis? First of all, I'm going to tell you what this righteousness is not, okay? Then I'm going to tell you what it is. I'm going to tell you what it is not. This is not the righteousness, the imputed righteousness. That's why the word imputed is given to you, that righteousness that is credited to you. You could not earn it in a million years. It's imputed to you the moment you come to Jesus and ask for salvation. The moment you receive Him as your Savior and Lord, He imputes this righteousness on you. He gives it to you as a credit, an unpayable back. <laughs> it's a credit. It's credited to you. That is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But that's not the righteousness He's talking about. You receive this righteousness from Jesus because you could never achieve it in 10 million years you could never earn it if you worked every moment of your life. It is credited to you. It's imputed righteousness. It is added to you when you come for salvation. In fact, it is implied in the first step. Blessed are the poor in spirit. It's implied. That moment he gives you imputed righteousness. Why does he give you an imputed righteousness? Because the God the Father whose eyes are purer than to look upon sin, He's going to look at you through the prism of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, as if you've never sinned. That's the only way God can see you as righteous, that imputed righteousness that Jesus gives you. The moment you transfer your hope, the moment you transfer your confidence from your good works, from your good things, from feeling that you are a good person and you deserve God's… No, no. The moment you transfer that hope from there to the blood of Jesus Christ, He gives you that imputed righteousness. Something you could never have in a million years. His righteousness. The righteousness of Jesus. But that's not the righteousness he's talking about here that we hunger and thirst for on a regular basis. It is different righteousness altogether. If anything, as I said, the imputed righteousness already imputed when you came in the first step, when you declared your bankruptcy. But there's more. There's more. It is not even the righteousness of wanting to see the right thing being done. I think we all, to a certain degree, want to see the right thing being done. That is seeking to see righteousness. We want to see righteousness in our land. We want to see righteousness in our nation. We want to see justice and fairness. We want to see things done right. But that's not that same righteousness that he's talking about here. Wanting to see things done right is great, but that's not, it. that's not it. That is not the righteousness that Jesus talks about in the Beatitudes. So what is that righteousness? Some of you are getting impatient. What is that righteousness 
that we are to hunger and thirst for every single moment of every single day? What is that righteousness that we seek with all of our hearts, which He promised to give us? True, lasting satisfaction. Hear me right. Are you ready? Here it comes. It is the deep longing for you and me to have more of God and less of us. It is an unseen righteousness. It is a hidden righteousness. It is deeply personal and intense desire for more of God and less of me. The righteousness of the Pharisees was Jesus warns us about. He said, don't. He said, see the righteousness of the Pharisees. This is actually in Matthew 23, verse 5. Matthew 23, verse 5. He said, don't do this. The righteousness of the Pharisees is an outward righteousness. It is seen by people. It is righteousness for a show. It's show and tell. It is blowing your trumpet so people can hear it, top of righteousness. It is pretentious righteousness. It is filled with smugness and arrogance and haughtiness. And Jesus said, that is not the righteousness that you should be looking for. The righteousness that Jesus is talking about here in the Beatitude is when I hunger and thirst in absolute desperation. Is very different from the righteousness of the Pharisees. This is almost unconscious righteousness. It is un pretentious righteousness. It is the kind of righteousness that makes you feel so utterly, completely, totally unworthy of the grace of God. I want to tell you something that you can take to the bank. The more saintly a person is, the more saintly a person becomes, the greater sinner he or she feels. Take that to the bank. The least worthy you feel. In John chapter 5, verse 44, Jesus rebukes this righteousness of the Pharisees, and he said to them, let me read to you what Jesus said, how can you believe if you accept praise from one another, they were patting each other in the back. You're a good guy. No, no, no. You're a better guy. You're a, you're a good guy. No, no, no. You're a good guy. You're a good guy. No, you're a better guy. They were patting each other on the back. He said, as long as you're doing this <laughs> and you make no effort to obtain the praise that comes only from God, You'll not be filled. Listen to me. When you live and you think and you plan and you eat and you drink 
and be all about the approval of God, you will be most likely misunderstood even by fellow believers, let alone the world, but you will be misunderstood, I promise you. I know. I'm there. I've been there. But here's the most amazing thing. It is appreciated by God. It's appreciated by God. It might not be appreciated by your family members. It might not be appreciated by your friends. It might not be appreciated by other members of the church, the believers. It might never be appreciated, but God does. He's the one who appreciates it. He appreciates that hunger and thirst for righteousness. This yearning on the inside, this deep longing that cannot be even verbalized in words, that fire in your bones, this intense desire to please only one person, when you have that ache in your heart for the holiness of Jesus, when your only longing is for Him and to please Him, when you want to say with Paul in the Philippians 3.10, I want to know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering. When you get to that point, you'll grant, you'll be granted satisfaction by Jesus Himself. I was talking to a dear friend, member of this church. Just this past week, we were talking, and he was talking about his plans for his future, and, 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 and I'm listening. Uh, and then he said something. He said, all I want to be is obedient. I said, stop. <laughs> that is where God is going to take it from here. That's all you want to hear. That's all you want to hear. I want to be obedient. I want to please the Lord. I want to make sure that He and He alone is approval, approving. Jesus promised He will fill that hunger. You have His Word on it, not me. I, I can't give you anything. He said, I will satisfy that hunger. Here's an important thing. Don't miss it. I'm coming toward Close to the end, so don't let me lose you the last couple of minutes. Don't miss what I'm going to tell you. This hunger and thirst is not a once-off thing that you've experienced it once in your life when you're going through a crisis. It's not a one-time experience. No, 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 don't miss this. It is continuous. It's continuous hunger for more and more and more. You're never satisfied. In my case, there are days and times when that hunger and thirst is more intense than other days. But I don't know a day in which I did not hunger and thirst for God. 
I want more of God and less of me. Hunger and thirst to please God alone. Hunger and thirst to please Him with all of my heart, with all of my being, with all of my substance, with all of my time, with all of that He placed in my hand. Hunger and thirst to love Him more every day than the previous day. Hunger and thirst to seek Him more and less of me. Hunger and thirst to honor Him in every waking moment of my life. Hunger and thirst to pursue His righteousness. My beloved friends, when God creates this hunger and thirst in your heart, it is because He and He alone can satisfy that hunger and thirst. So what is that satisfaction? How do you know you've been satisfied by, with this hunger being satisfied and thirst being satisfied? I can tell you exactly what it is. It's when you feel deep, deep peace regardless of the viruses and the diseases that are plaguing the world. It's deep confidence and trust in Him in spite of the infectious fear. It is joy in the midst of the world's confusion. It is the ability to praise and worship and thank Him instead of fretting and fearing. I want to conclude by telling you a personal testimony. When I'm talking about the hunger pain, I have experienced it personally, and I'm not talking about hunger of missing a meal or fasting, which I do, but I'm talking about involuntarily hunger when you cannot, you don't have food to eat for days. I was 19 years old when I escaped with the skin of my teeth from Egypt to Lebanon back in the 60s. The law of the land at the time says you can only take $20, $20 out of the country. I had friends and other people try to tell me, stuff some money in the socks, hide it this way. Some people doing all kinds of things, knowing that this is the last flight if I miss it. I probably would have been dead. I did not want to break the law. I wanted to obey the law. So I landed in that strange country, knowing just few friends and only by name, not personally. And it was a while before my family was able to work something with a, a businessman, work a deal, a businessman in Lebanon to be able to transfer money or put money in his account in Egypt, and he will help me with it in Lebanon. It was several weeks, in fact. And I went many a day without food. 
Sometimes I would go and visit some friends around dinner time, <laughs> figuring out they might invite me to stay for dinner. Introvert and bashful as I am, even when they did, I said, no, thank you. And I want to tell you something about that hunger and thirst, particularly hunger, because you can get water off the street. <clears throat> that hunger, when you're experiencing that incredible pain that comes from starvation, from hunger. The most beautiful flower arrangement in the world will not get your attention. The most magnificent music on the face of the earth is not going to distract you because your attention is on the hunger pain. The most magnificent view of nature, the beauty of nature, cannot take your mind off that pain. When Esau was hungry, he was starving, he comes home, and for a bowl of soup, he sold his most privileged position, his first birth, his birthright, a bowl of soup. Hunger can make you do physical hunger I'm talking about. Oh, but listen, when you hunger and thirst for more of God, nothing else will fill you but God. And so today, wherever you are, whatever country you're in, whatever part of the world you're in, whatever time zone you're in, you can say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I've ran after other things thinking that they will satisfy me, but they're not. I have looked for satisfaction in all kinds of things, and yet they're not satisfying me. I want you. I'm now hungering and thirsting for you. I now know this. I know only you can satisfy my hunger. Only you can quench my thirst. I want more of you and less of me. Beloved, God will answer that prayer. You take his word on it. He will answer it. And he's going to fulfill your deepest longing. Will you pray with me? Father God, this is your word. Your Holy Spirit authored it. Your Holy Spirit guided it so that it can be with us today in the 21st century. Lord Jesus, the creator of the world and through whom and for whom the whole world is created, you have uttered these words. May never, never, never be wasted or be forgotten, but that we on our knees and on our faces before you, confess that only you can satisfy. For that person who is not a believer yet, I pray that that thirst and hunger is for the first step, that they'll declare their spiritual bankruptcy so they may receive the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. For those who know you and love you, help us to thirst and hunger every day, every moment of every day, only for you, because we know we will be satisfied 
In Jesus' holy name, amen and amen and amen. Thank you, team.